0: All three of you sharing. Thanks. Um, how many of you have ever watched Antique Roadshow, the, the TV show? Do you know about it? I haven't seen it in quite a while, but if you're not familiar with Antique Roadshow, it's it's pretty interesting. Somebody once told me before I saw it, and I thought, oh, that does sound pretty neat, and I got to see a few episodes, and what happens is uh, these experts in certain areas of um, I don't want to say trinkets, antiques. That's it. Um, they uh, they come around, they travel around the country to different cities and. People will take things, uh, perhaps that have been in their basement for a long time, or up in an attic collecting dust, maybe they've been in the family for generations, things like uh, china, or uh, old paintings, could be knives and weapons, that's a pretty cool part, I think, Um, uh, all sorts of uh, wild things, things that have maybe been neglected or forgotten about and certainly uh, not understood to have a lot of value, and so they take them out of curiosity to see perhaps there's some historical... Uh, value in them, or uh, they tell a story about history, or maybe there is some financial or uh, intangible value within them, or tangible value. And uh, and what's so fun is to watch when they bring something they think is so ordinary and common, and the expert examines it and they say, "Well, this is worth." or, and they're like, really, her, I bought this at a garage sale for uh, $2. And um, I'm sure the former owner is crying uh, because of that. But it's so fun to watch how suddenly something that they thought was so ordinary and and common and uh, unuseful suddenly has instantly great value, right? It's gone from something that's dusty to something that's dignified, in a sense. It's been forgotten, and now it's something of great value. Uh, In in our passage this morning, or at least part of it, we're going to be opening in 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open there, please. 2 Corinthians. Uh, We're going to be looking in, in chapter 5. but Before that, the Apostle Paul talks about what it is to have the person of Jesus in us, personally in us as a church, to have this great message of what God has done in the gospel, and he describes it as a treasure. But he describes it as a treasure that's housed in something very common and ordinary, you and me. something that uh, uh, we need to hear and to be reminded of today. He says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse seven, talking about Jesus and and the gospel and the ministry of engaging others with God's great love. He says this: We have this treasure in jars of clay. Some of your versions, your translations, might say in earthen vessels. These were literally uh, everyday, common. Things. They were formed out of the clay of the ground, they were fired in a kiln, and they were used in everyday things, probably like the dishes that you might use every day to put a, a bowl of cereal in, or a, a plate that you don't think a lot about when it comes time to washing it. If it gets chipped, it's kind of like, oh, that's a shame, but I'll go to Target and buy a new one, or whatever it is. It's something ordinary and common, and you don't think of it much that way. Paul describes us as, In similar terms, that we are ordinary people, we're common, but there's something extraordinary in us because of the person of Jesus, because of his life and his work in us. We have this treasure that's bound up in these earthen vessels, in these jars of clay. He goes on, he says, to show, this is the reason, to show that this all-surpassing power, the power of God to change a life, That this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The Apostle Paul, by every account, was not impressive when you saw him in person. The outer reality of his life was not very impressive. But the power of God in him was. And it was amazing. He goes on to say, in verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. This is the gift of God in us, a treasure. We are described in similar terms. We too have this treasure of Jesus in us. Outside, we may not be all that impressive to other people. Does that matter to God? It is God working in us and through us, through you. You may feel common today. You may feel fragile today. You may feel threatened by life's realities today, but that doesn't stop God from working in your life to transform you more and more into the likeness of Jesus so that you then can go into your world and to share that great treasure with others. Are you common today? Yes. yes. If you're in Christ, do you have something extraordinary and uncommon in you? Yes. 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 This treasure in earthen vessels. Chris Pratt, a well-known actor these days, uh, uh, recently a, a video went viral, him accepting an award, uh, some MTV award. And uh, he had nine, nine tips for life and blended in some interesting comments with some funny things. And one of the comments that I, I really liked out of what he said was this. He said, you know, people in your life often want to say, you're perfect just the way you are. You're perfect just the way you are. He leans in. He says, you're not. You are not perfect just the way you are. I am not perfect just the way I am. That's the result of sin, the Bible describes it. But God wants to come into our lives and to develop us and to shape us and to heal us so that in all of our life we begin to look and be more and more like Jesus. That is the reclaiming, reconciling work that Jesus has. We are ordinary, but we have an extraordinary gift of Jesus in us. So three things I want to tell you really quickly about what that means for our lives moving forward. If it is true, and it is, that when you come to faith in Christ, you then have this treasure in your earthen vessel, your uh, breakable, fragile reality of your life, there's three things I I want to to point you toward in chapter five, particularly. Number one is really questions. Number one is what is your focus? What are you focused on? On And what, what is the centerpiece of your life? So what, what is your focus this morning? And how do we view... Um, uh, in chapter 5, verse 7, it says that we are to be people who live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. What do we all want to do? We want to put our trust in things that are tangible. Put our trust in that which is visible and seen. Put our trust in that which we can control and manipulate and manage, right? Isn't that to some degree? That's all of our desire. Because it's hard to put our trust in things that are not visible. It's hard to put our trust in things that demand faith, that call something out of us, that forces us to say, yes, I will trust God in what you have said to be true. If you've said that even though I'm an earthen vessel, a jar of clay, common, ordinary, but because you are in me and in this church, we become something extraordinary, you are the treasure that you want to expose to the world through my life, that I will trust and I will walk in that. What is your focus? Do you fix your eyes on the invisible and the eternal? Do you look at your world and the people in your world through those types of lenses? Where you begin to ask yourself more regularly, I wonder what this neighbor of mine, what their relationship is with Jesus, or this co-worker, or this family member. And I know many of you pray for people like that, and you've prayed maybe for years. Keep praying. We've heard the story of Joanne this morning after 15 years, just of Rudy and Meg's engagement with them, let alone Carolip and others, and others before that perhaps years and sometimes decades of Faithful praying and faithful continuing engaging with them. What do you focus on? Where's your focus? You have a treasure, if indeed Christ is in you. And you are not called to be perfect, but you're called to be faithful. What do you focus on? How is your life oriented? Number two, question number two is what is your motivation? What compels you? What helps drive you through your world? What is it that makes you get up in the morning? Is it a pursuit of education or or money or somehow bettering your position in life? Not to say those are bad things, but God calls us to something higher and something bigger. And here's how the Apostle Paul writes it in verses 14 and on. He says, for Christ's love compels us. What is it? Christ's what? The love of who? Yeah, Jesus. The love of Jesus compels us. What's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that God would love him enough and God loves you and me enough that he would step down out of heaven and and, and embody this gospel message and to come to pay your penalty of sin so that you could be with him. We're going to get to that more in a minute. For it is Christ's love that compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves before him who died for them and was raised again. What is it that motivates you? For Paul and for Christians, the intent is that our greatest motivation is to be the love of Jesus because you have received the love of Christ in your life. Then that is to compel you to share that love with the people in your world. That is your calling. It hopefully becomes increasingly our motivation. So what is your focus? Are you living by faith and not by sight? What is your motivation in getting up every day and embracing the world, even when it's hard? Is it the love of Jesus? And thirdly, what is your ministry? Let's read verse 18. Actually, let's go back to 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So if you are a Christian person today, a man, a woman, a child, you are to view people in your life no longer as other people in the world do because you now are different. You have a different perspective and a different focus. We view now no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. He is a, an old, dusty, forgotten, useless, invalued piece of property that's stored up in the attic or down in the basement, right? No. no. What? That's what my Bible says. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, my Bible says, like yours, therefore, if anyone's is in Christ, he or she is a what? A new creation. No longer dusty, but dignified. No longer of little or no value, but of great value because of the treasure of Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. All this is from God. Listen, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What's the ministry we have been given? The ministry of Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Remember that word for a minute. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. Mic drop. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. What is our ministry? It's a ministry of Reconciliation. You're right. You've studied your Bible. Good. What is reconciliation? To be reconciled is to bring two things that were once connected that have been broken. It is to bring those two things together again. We know it in accounting. Have you ever balanced a checkbook? Have you ever tried to scribble and force and figure out how in the world these numbers, why they aren't fitting together? You've got a balance that's real in your bank account, yet you see this number here in your ledger, and these things are not reconciled. They don't fit together in harmony anymore, right? We know it in friendship. You can have friends that were once really close and tight, and they've been broken for some reason, and when those friends are reconciled again, they're brought back together spiritually. The Bible talks about reconciliation, that God does this work. Whose work is it? It's God's work. But we have to cooperate with God's Spirit. It is God who does the work of reconciling us to Himself. I can't reconcile myself to God. All I can do is throw myself on the mercy of God and beg for forgiveness at the cross. And you know what? God is so... He desires to give that to you. Because you're not perfect the way you are. But in Christ... You were made as God intended you to become. You are a new creation. Created in Christ Jesus for the good works that in advance God prepares for you to do. Do you believe that today? You are a new creation in Christ. So this reconciling work is the work of God. Reconciling God and people. A relationship that's intended to be unified and together, but because of sin, the Bible says, it has been broken. Every person, every life on the planet has been broken in their relationship with God. But God does a work, desires to do a work of reconciliation. And who's been given that ministry? The church. You and me. It now is our ministry that we share in together. It's God doing the work But he's doing the work through us. You and I become his instruments of reconciliation. We become his ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador goes from one country to a a foreign country. They go from something that's known to something that's unknown. They go from something that's comfortable to a place that's less comfortable because it's less familiar. And they go in order to represent someone else. They go to represent that other entity. They're an ambassador, you and I, into the unchristian world around us. We are ambassadors for Christ because God has given you and me the ministry of reconciliation. So our role in it, God does the work, but we become His mouthpieces. We become the, the pictures for those who are Without a relationship with God, your relationship with God becomes a picture for them about the goodness of being in a relationship with God. Isn't that good? That's great. Isn't that good? I think it's good. If you don't think it's good, let's talk some more this week. Will you call me? If you're struggling, really, if you're struggling with the goodness of relating to God, call me. Let's talk this week. We are ambassadors because God is making His appeal through us, through you, into your world. And you're in relationships that I will never have with other people. And I have relationships with other people that many of you will never have. And so uniquely in your world, God wants to work through you to touch the lives in your world. And He'll do the same with me. That's the ministry of reconciliation. What is it? We are pointing people to Jesus. We're helping them see what God has done and God's great love for them that apart from Jesus, they still stand separated from God. But in Christ, in Christ, they, as imperfect as they are, they come now and they learn what it is to have this treasure in jars of clay. Even if you don't think today that you're good with people or very charismatic or even very charming, God wants to do Through you, the ministry of reconciliation, of bringing other people to the Lord. Today, you can begin looking at people around you from a heavenly perspective to begin to pray for your neighbor or uh, your favorite waiter at your favorite restaurant that maybe you go to twice a month and it's the same waiter over and over again. Maybe you need to change your conversation topics with that person and begin to help them see and see what God is doing in their life. You can learn to be comfortable discussing the gospel with other people. Of simply knowing the simple love message of God in Christ Jesus. And how God wants to connect with them. Just like we've heard these stories of Joanne and Colin today. You can be trained to offer basic discipleship to a person who's just come to faith in Christ. It doesn't have to be handed over to a pastor. You can be trained to help people have their roots planted in the Lord and to help them learn to take on the basic habits that help grow and foster faith in their life. You can learn to be trained to do that. And we want to do that for you and with you this this fall. You should expect, you should expect to join with others to pray for God's work in Marin County and to celebrate like we've tried to do today what God is doing. Because even in Marin County, we said last week, no, I did, that I really, I hope increasingly we will continue to view Marin County as a mission field, right? It is 250,000 people, by most measures somewhere between 3 and 5% only are, are active, engaged followers of Jesus. That's pretty low. In fact, from a missionary's perspective, those who study such things, it, it qualifies merely as an unreached people group. Just like any group in the 1040 window around the world or in county, certainly is a mission field. As I spoke with Don Dent before he left, he he was increasingly convinced that there are so many people right around us, even though they may they certainly think they know what church is, or they you, you mentioned church or church life or Christian or whatever it is, and and they have certain associations that go out from those terms. But he was convinced that. Very few, perhaps, actually know the basic gospel message. That they are loved by God, that they're separated from God, and that in Christ they can be reunited with God. That's the message that we have been entrusted with, the message of reconciliation. I think I should be done. What do you think? Would you uh, pull out your bulletin, please? And on the back of your bulletin... At the top, it says "Tiburon Baptist Church Covenant. In a couple of weeks, at the end of August, we'll be finishing up our series, working through our covenant together. As a reminder about who we are supposed to be and who we have said we would be together in Christ. We're going to start from the bottom. Actually, we're just going to count up one, two, three bullets. And we're going to read that bullet together. At the beginning, it describes how, because we have come to Christ and come to unite our lives together in fellowship here, that all of these bullets represent statements that are are ideals that we are to to try to live into and press into. Not just happy sayings or good things to, to think about, but these are active parts of our engaging of life together. So count up one, two, three from the bottom, and we're going to read this together as part of our commitment to one another and to the Lord. You ready? Here we go. See by Christian example and witness to win others to Christ and encourage their growth toward Christian maturity. Now, if you want to take this home, you might want to circle that and let that uh, perhaps ruminate in you. Now, our covenant is not the Bible. We don't pretend it is. It's not as important as the Bible. There's no doubt. Here's what my hope and vision for our church is, is that we would have increasingly people who are comfortable with the gospel, comfortable engaging people, um, and learning to talk and pray for those who are without Christ today, uh, to become to take on sort of a, a personal ethos of being a disciple maker. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28? That you were to go and make disciples, right? That, that's the imperative. That, that's the one command Jesus is giving. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching, and commanding them to do all that I've told you to do. What I hope is that more and more of us, in a year's time, two years' time, I'd love to see 50 people out of this congregation who begin to identify themselves, himself, herself, as a disciple maker, that they're beginning to look at the people in their life from a heavenly perspective and asking constantly, I wonder what their relationship is with the Lord and beginning to ask God to open opportunities and to give you wisdom to step into those moments where you can begin to give some pointers or help point some fingers toward Jesus to reconcile their life with the Lord, to help guide them into what God desires to do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That is really my, my prayer. I've been looking at a lot of resources and trying to figure out some frameworks and then figuring out when can we offer it so that we can kind of share this together. Um, so. Uh, Pray for me and our staff as we continue to sort that out, but I really, really, really think our church is right on the cusp and beginning to maybe rethink some things about Marin County as a mission field, and we still are a mission-sending platform, there's no doubt about it, just like the city of Antioch was so long ago, and we're talking about that. Uh, David, anybody wanting to commit? Are they meeting today? They need to connect with you. Okay, so if you are interested... And uh, if you still have questions or you're ready to commit to one of our mission trips, we need to know today. After the service, we're going to be meeting right here in room 23. Would you step in there? Even if it's a question, we're taking trips. We want to to North Africa and to Belgium and to Poland. And uh, the work in Marin is going to continue while that happens. Right? We don't do one and then neglect the other. We have to be a both-and church in these ideas, both right here in Marin, but all around the world. And it sounds crazy. If you're not used to that, but that's what God does. It's what God does in the church, and in the church's life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And the reminder that we are to be in our example and in our words as you would give us wisdom and open up opportunities for us that we can be your ambassadors into the world around us, in our homes and in our neighborhoods and our workplaces. You, you never said it would be easy. It certainly wasn't always easy for the Apostle Paul. There were cities he went into and it was great welcome and enthusiastic response and other places he would enter and he would be run out. And so why should we expect anything different? It's not an easy task that you've called us to be faithful to the task because it's the ministry that you've entrusted to the church and that is the ministry of reconciliation. So I pray today that if we've been walking with Jesus maybe for two or three decades or more and the embers of that that, that fire ebb low and, and we forget what it is to be compelled by the love of Jesus because we have experienced your love and now we can't even contain ourselves. We have to go share it with the people around us. God, if that's been a distant memory, would you be pleased to stir that afresh in our hearts? so that we can be engaging our mission field right here while we also go to other places around the world. You called us, I believe, to both, and we we desire to do both faithfully. Help us to do both faithfully. God, it's the work that you do, the work that you do through us. It's you are the treasure. We are the earthen vessels, these jars of clay, Come and do what you want to do through us, would you? Would you please now, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing one last song together. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Goodness, that, that sounds, I don't know what that sounds like, but I don't know if I've ever stepped into a personal relationship with God. I've never thought about God being someone who loves me. And maybe you would sense God's Spirit stirring your heart today. I'm going to be standing here. We're going to sing a couple of verses of a song. It's an opportunity for you if you want to come and we can just begin a conversation. You know what? You're looking at each other, so you don't have to be embarrassed coming up here because people see you anyway. Uh, it's okay. That's uh, part of our, our love to each other. So while we're uh, standing, would you grab your music sheet? Let's sing together. Um.